Yes. Uh, I was, uh, I would like um, maybe clarification whether I understand properly, if I always uh, have problem to remember what is what, um, that uh, Satchitananda refers to Bhagavan and Jiva and Hadini Sandini to uh, Swarupa Shakti. Okay. Um, the the Godhead is in a broad sense described in the sacred text as Satchitananda. Hmm? Sat means eternal. Sat means therefore something that is not subject to transformation, that is born, it grows, it, it uh, matures, it gives offspring, it dwindles and dies. It's here today and, and gone tomorrow. Hmm? So it's nothing like the um, the objective world in which there's comings and goings. Appearances. So, sat means eternal, means real. To the extent that things endure, they lend credibility as to their existence. For example, at night when we dream, we have experiences, but they're very, happen very quickly. They don't endure, we wake up, we forget about them. And our more enduring experience derives from our waking condition. So we tend to think that the waking state is more real than the dream state. So it was just a dream, for example. So one of the reasons for that is because it doesn't endure as long as the waking state, even though the waking state doesn't endure very long in terms of eternity either. My point only is that the extent to which something endures, lasts, it, uh, it, it, uh, it becomes kind of credible, believable. Um, it, 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 it has this, it, a greater... Uh, it uh, conjures up in us uh, a greater sense of, of, of reality. Hmm. So, there's the temporal, and there's the eternal. And so the Godhead is Sat hmm. and Chit. Now here, with relation to the Godhead, Chit means knowledge and Therefore, omniscience, for example, would be the full um, sense of knowledge, all-knowing, chit. And then you have ananda. So, being, knowing, ananda means loving, ecstasy. 
So the God exists, is cognizant of its existence, and it is full of, it's by nature, ananda, joyful. It exists, it knows, it loves. Now, I'll give an example before, worth repeating, that you could have an existence that was unknowing. Something could exist, but not have the capacity to know that it existed. We think of inanimate, um, insentient matter in that way. It exists, but it's not cognizant of the fact that it exists. So you can have an existence that's not a knowing existence, but you can have a knowing without an existence. So you could have sought, arguably, without chit or ananda, but you can't have chit without sought. If there's going to be cognizance, knowing, there has to be being along with it. But you could have a knowing existence that was not a loving existence. But if you have loving, then there must be also knowing, cognizance, and being. So, while there are three features, so to speak, of the absolute sat-chit-ananda, in the sense in which I'm speaking about it, there's also a progression. So there are manifestations of the Godhead that are more um, focused on sat, some more on chit, and some more on ananda. Hmm? They're all sat-chit-ananda. Just like nirvishesh brahma, undifferentiated consciousness, brahman. It's being, sat. There's nothing to know there, so to speak. You can know that you be, if you're identified with that. And knowing that you be or that you exist is arguably blissful, in comparison to knowing that you exist but that you might not at some point, which is material life. We know that we exist, but the sense in which we exist, we also feel is subject to determination, to non-existence. Therefore, we struggle, right, to overcome that. But the idea, of course, is that by going within, we find out that there's an existence that is sat and chit and ananda. And if we identify with undifferentiated consciousness, Brahman, let's say, the great, then we could be and know that we be or that we exist without any fear or anxiety of, of not being, without any struggle necessary to exist. Because there's no struggle to exist, you could say it's it's joyful. And as much as our struggle to exist here is not joyful. <laughs> so this is an aspect, a face, if you will, of the absolute. We call it Brahman. And then there's another, and this is the goal of the jnanis, the tapasvis, often. 
certain type of transcendentalist. And then there's the Paramatma. And the Paramatma is, the chit is more prominent. It's the goal of the yogis, Astanga Yoga. Chit, Astanga Yoga, in a sense, is identifying with this feature of the Absolute and the omniscience that comes from that. It's a being, existence, and it's a it's a knowing. Therefore, you, in yoga, for example, we get to know everything about our body, the organs, control them, control the heartbeat. It's kind of omniscience of the body in practice and identification with the Ishwar, Paramatma, who is all-knowing and therefore, in some measure, becoming all-knowing ourselves. So that is then to attain chit, which is also sat. But the emphasis here is on chit rather than on, on sat. And there's also ananda, because there's, 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 there's the relief, again, of knowing that you exist, and there's also the knowing of another, hmm? in a very general sense. The other is that we are the Atma, and then there's the Paramatma. So we're the spark, God is the fire. So there's a there's a knowing, coming in touch with some with the Godhead in such a way that there is some measure of differentiation, subtle as it is, between ourselves and the Godhead. In the Catholic tradition, that they call it the beatific vision. We call it Shantarasa, to sit in, in, forever and bask in the experience of the, the beatific vision of the Absolute. Hmm? So here you have Sat and Chit and Ananda, but the Chit is primarily. Hmm? And there's a knowing that there is a, there is another that is my source and there's a eternal kind of contemplation of that if you will and then then in the Bhagwan feature of the God we have the Brahman in undifferentiated consciousness Paramatma the all-knowing face if you will of the Godhead and then Bhagwan the person the full personality of the Godhead hmm? who engages in Leela, in play. Hmm. And this is this in this feature of divinity, the Ananda is prominent. Hmm. Loving is prominent. Hmm. I've given the two ends of the spectrum from Brahman, you can love to exist. In relation to Bhagavan, we can exist to love. There's someone to love. And love is is a kind of movement. I can identify with Brahman and be still, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. And I might think that's a good thing because my movements in this world are problematic. Just to move, it takes trouble. Hmm? So sit peacefully. But there is a kind of movement in transcendence that's not troublesome. Just like we also say in the, in our human experience that that that. We invoke the term labor of love. When we are engaged in a labor of love, it may look like labor to someone else, but to us, we don't notice the labor of it. The mother labors to take care of the child, 
but in her love for the child, the sense that his labor is, is lost in a way that it wouldn't be on a babysitter. So, so this is just an, an, an analogy, an example. In transcendence, then, there's the possibility of, of movement, love movement, but love is a kind of movement. So Krishna, for example, is the be-all and end-all of the, the Bhagawan conception of the Godhead. Therefore, you find movement, play, lila. Hmm? Do you have an example of these three features of the Godhead? Sometimes they're, they're different. Well, here's an example that's sometimes given. Man is waiting at the train station with his son. And he says, today you're going to see a train. So the son says, oh boy, first time I'm going to see a train. Okay, great. So then, at a distance, you hear, the whistle. And the father says, there's a train. So the son says, oh, the train is, is this like far out sound. It's different than anything I've ever heard. It's wow, it just makes me stop thinking. Just the sound. The little, he's hearing the sound, but as the train comes closer, Father goes, see, there's the train. And he sees the light on the front of the train. Now he thinks, the child thinks, oh, the train is this, and and light. I've never seen a light that big before. Wow, it's, it's like brightening everything. Hmm? So that is, the whistle is like the Brahman conception. The whistle and the light, it's like the, the, the Paramatma. And then the train actually pulls up and the father says, see, there's the train. People get off, people get on, there's a conductor, it's like a whole world. It's a, it's a, this is the Bhagavan conception, hmm? this idea. Hmm? So, Satchit Ananda, this is Bhagavan, Paramatma, they all in Brahman, but all three features are differently kind of mixed, if you will, relative to the, to the forms. Or the expressions, and there are different paths in, 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 in within Hinduism for approaching these different ideals: Brahman, Paramatma, Bhakti, for example, for approaching Bhagwan and Ananda, primarily. So, when we say that God is Sat, means He's eternal, right? Chit means all-knowing. Ananda means full of, by nature, ananda. Ananda moi vyasa, the sutras say. Hmm? Now when the sutras say this, they're not talking about the atma, our self. When it says, ananda moi, ananda moi, moi means full, ananda moi, full of ananda. Hmm? So, there is... The Godhead, and then there's us, right? Like a fire and a spark. Hmm? Now, in between these two is bhakti, hmm? in our tradition, that connects the two. A little bhakti is required for any attainment. A little devotion is required for any attainment. Hmm? So, why not a path only of devotion? What will the attainment be? Hmm? So, the, the union between the spark and the fire is mediated by bhakti. 
So, what is bhakti? Bhakti is a shakti. So, the god is the shakti man. So, the god is the energetic, and bhakti is the energy. And this energetic source has many energy, many energies. Like an energetic source can heat, it can cool, it can produce light. Hmm? So the light would be one shakti. The heat would be another shakti, for example. The the uh, the cool air conditioning would be another shakti. Hmm? The shock would be another shakti. Hmm? So you have the god that is this generating source. He's one, but endowed with innumerable shaktis or potencies hmm? for different purposes. Hmm? There's only one reality, hmm? but it's endowed with innumerable shaktis or potencies. And the, the shaktis are dependent, the, the potencies, the energies are dependent on the energetic. So they're not independent. There's no independent existence. There's only one existence. But it's it's a it's a unified. It's a it's a it's a it's a well let's say uh, a unity that at the same time consists of diversity within itself. This is my hand. This is my hand. Right? This is my body. This is my body. <laughs> you understand? Hmm? You can say everything is the Godhead. That's like saying this is my body. True. But I can also say this is my hand. This is my mouth. This is my stomach. I take food with my hand. I put it in my mouth. It goes to the stomach. Energy goes to the whole body. Hmm? That's a more nuanced way of speaking about the one singular non-dual reality. Hmm? It's a non-dual reality. There's no other. But the nature of this that is, hmm, is nonetheless variegated. Hmm? And of course, for Ananda, there needs to be a little variety. Hmm? <laughs> for Ananda to be more than just relief of the knowing that I exist and I don't have to struggle, for the Ananda to have positive content. I've given an example before, if we're if we're in negative numbers and we come to zero, that zero will have some positive content. Although ordinarily we think of zero as no positive content. But in relation to negative numbers, zero has positive content. Hmm? But then are there any positive numbers? This is the question. So there's some ananda in zero, in doing away with desire, becoming peaceful, identifying with undifferentiated consciousness. But in transcendence, one can move in relation to Bhagwan. Those are positive numbers that have no negative implications. 
Negative numbers, in my analogy, is like the movement in this world. The more we move, the more we take, the more we owe. And it's impossible to move in this world without taking. As much as this world means identification with a psychology and a, and a physiology, and we have to take to maintain it. So as much as we take, we owe. So that movement is like going up the down escalator. You don't go anywhere. <laughs> so the Godhead and its potency. So one of these potencies and a primary potency is bhakti. Some of the potencies are the shaktis of Bhagavan. They're all one with Bhagavan or with or with the Godhead, one and different at the same time. Some are more different, some are more one. Like I've given an example before, the fire. So heat and light are potencies of the fire. They're more like fire than, for example, smoke, which is also a potency of the fire. Smoke is also part of the fire. But it's much less like fire than heat and light. So there are shaktis, material shakti, for example, that deludes maya shakti, we call it. This is not like the Godhead. It's his shakti. Like a shadow may come from a person. Shadow is a shadow in relation to light. So, Maya Shakti deludes and Bhakti Shakti enlightens. By the influence of the Maya Shakti, we think that we are independent entities. We can choose and do what we want. Hmm? We're deluded to think so. And we act in one sense or another as if we're the center. And we view the world through that lens. What's for me? And my sense of self is very small. It's I'm, a, I'm of this nation. I'm of this uh, gender. Hmm? Obviously, this is problematic. You're of a different gender. He's of another gender, different nation, uh, identification. It's all desires. And so there's, there's conflict. There's prob- invariably, there's problems. Hmm? Material existence. So there's this illusion through the Maya Shakti that, that we're the center, so to speak. But it's, it's folly. We can reason that out and, and agree, but then to realize that, come out from that, that's, that, that takes some time. But while Maya Shakti deludes, Bhakti as a Shakti enlightens. And it reveals our self and the fact that we're small, although we're consciousness, we're small, we're spark. So the, 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 the medium of this revelation, hmm, what this bhakti is, we say this, this bhakti, it derives from the satchitananda of Bhagavan. Hmm. But because it's a shakti, rather than the shakti man, it's a potency rather than the potent, hmm, it, it's described differently. Sandini corresponds with sat, Samvit with chit, and Ladini with ananda. Hmm? So, 
you let's say you have sugar and it's sweet but sugar can't taste itself but if sugar could think I want to taste my sweetness and its sweetness would manifest as a separate entity so to speak and the two could interact so this is like Radha and Krishna Krishna is one but manifests it's his, it's his, Radha means bhakti this shakti personifies and then there's this and then this interaction you see Brahman this feature of the God it is still hmm? no movement but bhakti is a power that causes Brahman to move now that which is everywhere how can it move there's nowhere to go hmm? that is the power of bhakti <laughs> it can make Brahman, it can turn the still Brahman into into form, shape, hmm? and lila, give it movement. Hmm? It's the very life, so to speak, of the uh, of transcendence, bhakti. All the different forms of the Godhead are determined by bhakti. Hmm? So this is the this is the way in which this Satchitananda functions as a Shakti. And as a Shakti, as a potency rather than a potent, it has some power to affect the potent, the energetic. The energy has some power to affect the energetic in, 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 in ways that, 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 um, that, I want to say, uh, embellish the Ananda. Hmm? I mean, it's very practical in another sense. If I want to love, it would be helpful if I had some object to repose my love in that in turn could reciprocate. <laughs> I could love myself, but that could get get boring. Hmm? So, so Brahman has a Shakti the idea is that that makes for uh, an Ananda Ananda feature of the Absolute and that it arguably is is more complete because as I said you could exist and not know you could know but you'd have you'd have to exist but you could know and exist but not love but if you love then you have to know and you have to exist as well. So within Ananda, Sat and Chit are implicit. Within Chit, Ananda is not necessarily implicit. Within Sat, Chit and Ananda are not necessarily implicit. So, Bhakti. Hmm? It's like the shadow. Well, like the, like the, like the fold. Well, it, it, it's like a, a potency that is so tuned in to the absolute and manifesting uh, variety and, as I say, anyway, embellishing Ananda. So it has the power to affect the 
omniscient and omnipotent. It's not separate from him. I've given an example that if someone is omniscient and omnipotent, uh, um, let's say, um, some, if someone is everywhere, then there's nowhere to go. If someone knows everything, there's nothing to do then. You already know everything. You're kind of frozen. I know everything that will happen. There's nowhere to go. So what do you do in such a, it, that sounds boring. <laughs> so what do you do when you're bored? You play. Hmm? So the Godhead has Leela. Hmm? Hmm? He plays as if he does not know. Hmm? As if he does not know. And moves as if he is not everywhere. Hmm? And the power for doing this, this is bhakti. Hmm? So she has a power over, over Krishna, so to speak. The two are inseparable. Bhakti and Bhagwan. You can't have Bhagwan without Bhakti. It's like you can't have teacher without student. It's, it's meaningless. You could say, I'm a teacher. Well, <laughs> you only believe you if somebody else agrees with you and wants to take lessons from you. Right? So, so, now, in the, the Satchitananda, in the form of Bhakti, it manifests, as I say, we give the term sandini. Sandini means sat, means, but it means it means existence, but it, it, it's a special kind of existence, the existence of leela, hmm? of play, as I'm saying. And 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 the samvit, which corresponds with this with the chit knowing, it's a special kind of knowing, hmm? Hmm. knowing the Godhead in a particular way, as a friend, for example, in leela, as a lover in leela. Hmm? And then the, the Ladini corresponds with Ananda, so a special kind of ecstasy hmm, that comes from a particular relationship with Bhagavan. Hmm. So, this bhakti then, we have Bhagavan, we have bhakti, and then we have ourselves, the Atma, the Jivatma. Now, your question now, what is that? That's also Satchitananda. Yes, but... It's Satchitananda is not the same as Bhagavan. For example, the Satchitananda of the Atma is not the shelter of Sandini, Samvit, and Ladini. It's not the shelter of Bhakti. Bhagavan, who is Satchitananda, is the shelter, the energetic, of the energy of Bhakti. The Jiva, the Atma, is also Satchitananda, but it's different because it, it doesn't have the... It's not the. It's, it, 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 it's not the shelter or the, the generating source of bhakti. Hmm. In the Gita, what does it say about the atma? In the second chapter of the Gita, there are many verses about the atma, and if you look carefully, you see they're almost all about the fact that it is sat. It's sat. It exists. It's real. It's not subject to the comings and goings of the world. Now it's also described in other places, Satchit Ananda. But the Sat, the Chit, and the Ananda of the Atma is different than the Satchit Ananda of Bhagavan. For example, 
if the jiva were all-knowing in terms of chit, like Bhagwan, then how could its knowing be overwhelmed, over, overcome by the smoke of Maya Shakti? That can't happen to Bhagwan. So the Ananda in ourself must, or the 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 the, 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 the chit in ourself must be different than the chit in Bhagwan. God can't be overcome. The fire can't be overcome by the smoke. The spark could be. If our chit was all knowing, then we wouldn't be in the position that we're in. Now, we are we are sought. We're kind of like more like God in terms of sought. Hmm? Time and space can't do anything to us. It's an appearance of that. It's only in relation to the body, but we exist regardless of what happens. Hmm? So the chit is different, and the ananda is also different hmm? in ourself than it is in Bhagwan. Hmm? When we say that the jiva is chit, we mean that it that it's that it's the atma's jit means it's cognizant, unlike matter. It's it's it, it has the capacity to know. Hmm? But it's not filled with all knowing. But it's chit. It's cognizant. It can know. Through the medium of the chitta and the subtle body, it knows things about the gross physical world, for example. Through the medium of bhakti, it can know something about Bhagwan. But it's not that the jiva has all knowledge about Bhagwan inside of it, or, every, or anything else. Hmm. You understand? Like I said, bhakti is the medium by which the jiva can make union with, with Bhagwan. So something has to come into the jiva that's not there. Otherwise there'd be no need for the medium. Understand? So the chit of the jiva is different than the chit of Bhagwan. It's more of a capacity to know. I know that I am. And I could know other things too, through different mediums. I can gain knowledge about things. Matter, by contrast, can't can't know anything. Can't teach it. Can't know anything. So we're chit. We're, we're cognizant in this way. It's a huge difference between ourselves and matter. But it's not that we're all knowing, omniscient inside. If we were, then we wouldn't be in this this condition. Sometimes we just, it's said that the the, the jivatma is satchitananda anu, atomic, ananda khan, a particle of ananda. So it's sat, it's chit, and it's ananda. It's ananda is different than Bhagavan's also, because the ananda. In the sutras of Vedanta, I cited earlier, Anandamaya Obhyasat, Brahman is, is Anandamaya, full of Ananda. That statement is made 
and in the context of making it, a differentiation between the the the, the paramatma and the atma is being made. The jiva is not full of ananda, like 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 Bhagavan, like Paramatma, like Brahman. The Jiva Goswami explains that that the ananda of the jiva is such that that it has no sorrow. It has no sorrow. Now that that's would feel pretty good <laughs> if you had no sorrow whatsoever. Hmm? Now we have so many sorrows, so many troubles. But it's kind of like zero in relation to positive numbers that I spoke about earlier. Hmm? Therefore, some teachers like the Buddha, Shankar, they want to stop at zero. That's enough. End of all suffering. Ah. Ah. First letter of Sanskrit. Ah. It's a big relief. It's huge, really. It's huge. But the point is, in relation to Bhagwan and what bhakti can afford one, which is a, a, a union, dynamic union or relationship with Bhagwan, it's very small. Very insignificant in comparison. So, for example, we're such at Ananda, but but our such at Ananda again, it can't, it can't, doesn't have the power to dispel illusion. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in illusion. But the Maya Shakti cannot overshadow Bhakti. Again, Bhakti is kind of overshadowing Bhagwan, causing that which is omnipresent to move in Leela. That's powerful. Hmm? So, it's it's overwhelming Bhagawan, causing him to take different shapes in divine play and so forth. Hmm? It can't be, this Bhakti, this Shakti cannot be overwhelmed by the Maya Shakti. Hmm? If, the, if, if Bhakti is compared to heat and light of the fire, and the Maya Shakti is compared to the smoke, then smoke cannot over, overcome the, the, the heat and light of the fire. Hmm? Even smoke is hot coming out of the fire. Hmm? Um, but if there's enough heat and light in the fire, then smoke can be, will be dispelled easily. So, so bhakti has the power to dispel the illusion of maya. That's a sec. That's a, like a like a, a secondary effect of bhakti, whose primary effect is it has the power to overwhelm Bhagwan, turn Brahman, so to speak, um, uh, the 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 the, the uh, I want to say. Um, Cause the all-knowing to wonder, and 
and the omnipresent to be to, to move, hmm, something like that. Hmm. Um, that's extraordinary power. So if that power comes within us, then the, the illusion of Maya will be easily dispelled. And then due to the ingress of bhakti into ourselves, then we have the, the means to forge a, a union, divine and dynamic union, with the Godhead in love, enter into the play of the Absolute, the sweet play of of the absolute. Hmm? So, there's a difference between the Satchitananda of the Jiva and the Satchitananda of Bhagwan. Hmm? But all that is the all that is the Satchitananda of Bhagwan hmm? and more in the form of the some the Sandini Sambit and Hladini, hmm? which gives pleasure to he who is Satchitananda, hmm? which causes unknowing in he who is all-knowing, that is the Sambit, it causes a kind of unknowing, hmm? who, who, who manifests an existence that's full of variety in, in, within transcendence and so forth. Hmm? That can come within us. You understand? Connect with the Satchit and of the jiva, and make one a player in the leela of Bhagwan. Does that help? A little complicated, but, but there's a difference between our Satchitananda and the Satchitananda of Bhagwan, and between the Sandini, Sambit, and Ladini, which are, they mean the same thing. Existence, knowing, and, 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 and joy, or bliss, or love. Hmm? But you see how they, they can function very differently. The samvit can cause an unknowing, which is the which is a fuller sense of knowing. Mm-hmm. The omniscience mm-hmm. of the god it is one thing. Mm-hmm. If his omniscience can be suppressed by love, mm-hmm. then he comes into a different kind of knowing that's that's greater than omniscience. Omniscience is knowing everything. That's true. But the quality of the knowing is improved in loving. If you... I may be a king and know everything about the kingdom and all the important things that are going on and so forth and so on. But my daughter young daughter may tug on my hand and say not even call me king call me daddy I see you ride off on the horse into your kingdom I want to ride a horse you're too small to ride a horse no I want to ride a horse so what happens the king gets down on his hands and knees, puts the daughter on his back, and walks her. So, the daughter is turning the king into a horse. <laughs> Bhakti is turning God, hmm, you see, into something that is more accessible to us, and and in which he takes more pleasure than being the king. 
Let me forget the kingdom for a while. And I'll just be a horse for my daughter. Something like that. That love of the daughter is like bhakti. The king is like Brahman, all-knowing aspect of the Godhead. And the king is the horse. That's like Krishna. So such is the the power of bhakti. So we want that that power to come into our life. (laughs) Then we may have relationship with the Godhead that it constitutes a loving rapport in which obviously, arguably, the knowing is qualitatively more, while omniscience is is quantitatively, there's a quantitative knowing to omniscience, knowing everything, but then there's a quality of knowing that's found in loving where you don't want to know everything. Hmm? You want to forget everything, Right? You just want to be with the one you love, and it doesn't matter where you are. You can live under a rock. Hmm? So what kind of existence? Existence is not as important. The knowing is not as important. The loving is important. Hmm? At the same time, a loving existence and a loving knowing are qualitatively the best kind of existence and the best kind of knowing. So... Bhakti affords us the opportunity of, of a union with the Godhead beyond omniscience. Hmm? Love has a kind of knowing that, that is just inherent within it, an essential knowing. Hmm? I know what to do. No extra baggage of knowing. Hmm? And it fuels then a certain type of action that's just the per- perfect action from which I derive the most happiness. You understand? (laughs) So, such is the power of of bhakti. Turn Brahman into a horse. Cow. (laughs) Into Krishna. Something like that. Like that. Of course, none of this is happening in time. This is eternal. Uh, so there's always, there always, always is Krishna, and different forms of Krishna, which means different flavors of bhakti. Hmm? There's bhakti in, in with, with majesty, and bhakti in intimacy. With Krishna, there's bhakti in intimacy. Therefore, the leelas of Krishna are depicted as of intimacy and simple village life, and they don't know everything. They're cow people. They don't need to know everything. They love Krishna, Krishna loves. They don't even know Krishna's God. And Krishna doesn't know that he's God. So if he knew that he was God, then it would that omniscience would get in the way of the intimacy. I've said before that if, if, if I was God and I told you that and you believed me, you'd say, oh my God, and you'd kind of move back. So in order for there to be intimacy between the finite and the infinite, the infinite has to take on a finite-like appearance. Otherwise, it will cause some distance. So worship is one thing. Love is, 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 is kind of another. It's an extension of that, full develop. Worship means God is there, I am here. Love means there's a union between the two, and a bridge, of the, the distance is crossed. The formalities are crossed, and so forth. So this is our objective.
that kind of love of God. Rather lengthy explanation, but touched on some good good points. What's the time? Seven thirty-five. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good to see you again. Sam. Nice to see you. Welcome. Um, my question is about Krishna consciousness. Mm. Maybe you can explain a bit about like what qualities do you mean when you talk about Krishna consciousness and how Krishna consciousness really is related to consciousness per se? Yeah, well, uh, I'll give you a brief answer as briefly as I can. Consciousness is a big word, of course. It means different things to different people. And so when we speak about consciousness, we're not speaking just about an awareness, but the very power to have awareness. Just like here is a light. It's luminous, and it has the power to illuminate other things. So consciousness is luminous, and has the power to illuminate, which then is, is its function of perception, for example. But consciousness is not just perception. There's a, there, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's really the ground of everything. It comes first. Without consciousness, nothing, nothing can be, do, know, well, we can't even talk about consciousness without consciousness. Right? So, uh, in the modern world, there's an, there's an attempt in science to make, to, to do away with consciousness, to dismiss it, to make it, reduce it to matter, and so forth. But it's, it takes a conscious being to even engage in the exercise of such reductive reasoning, and so forth. So you really can't get away from consciousness. Consciousness is that which uh, can't be dismissed. We can dismiss all things as being not real in that they may be here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? But we can't dismiss consciousness because the act of dismissing requires consciousness. Do you understand? So it's foundational. So we are a unit of that, of consciousness. So to be to know that theoretically is one thing, to know that by experience is another. And we call that like Atmananda, the joy of the self, self-realization. Now, to know the self is one thing, to know one's source is another. So, if, I, if I, I've given an example many times of the spark and the fire, so the spark and the fire, so Krishna's like the fire, we're like the spark. So to have a um, rapport with our source, that's what we call Krishna consciousness. And so there is... Um, we're like a part, so a part 
you could analyze a part in different ways of something separate from its what it's a part of. You even find some function for it. Um, but when you connect it with the what it's a part of, then all its meaning suddenly expands exp- exponentially. Hmm? So we're a part. We, we can say we're we're a unit of consciousness. There's not much more you can say about that. Okay, it's not like anything. We can only define things by comparing them to other things. Consciousness is not a thing, and it's not a thought. So you, you pretty much don't have much to say about it. That doesn't make it any less. It makes it beyond words, so to speak. Hmm? But but if you can if you connect it with its source, there's much more that can be said about it, hmm? and much more can be understood about it. So a lot of people are preoccupied with understanding consciousness as the ground of being and so forth. Hmm? We're a little preoccupied with dancing on the ground of being, or something like that. Dancing. <laughs> dancing on the ground of being. So. Um, Hmm. Yeah, that the ground of being that we're kind of like a, a unit of that there, there's more to it than just more of what we are hmm. and so to, to know that more and to interact with that more hmm, that's what we call Krishna consciousness hmm. short answer Okay, we'll stop there. Shri Shri Yaji Gopal Ki Jai Gauri Vishnu Guru Parampara Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Bhandu Ki Gaur Premanan Ki Jai